Gee, Steve, what are we going to do tonight? Same thing we do every podcast. Tell them how we season. Welcome. It's How We Seize It, episode 179. This week, Steve and me take on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's ninth film, uh, 2019 release at a two hours and 41 minutes. A long one. <laughs> it is a long one, but they've actually released a couple couple different cuts, so you could probably find uh, a couple ex- extended scenes. Quentin Tarantino likes to do that for different medium. Uh, I fact, did hear about that. Yeah, where they he the the idea that I heard was is that he released them in different um, iterations for the theaters it was going to be played in. So like if you had a certain uh, screen, it was it was formatted for that screen specifically. Isn't that cool? He went to town on that one. What, what was the uh, what was the western he did? Uh, Hateful Eight. Yeah, Hateful Eight. He had so many different cuts <clears throat> of that. Yeah. He even had like a Netflix release of it, so or something catered towards towards uh, television viewing audiences right. and stuff. And yeah, I, I know. <laughs> he's big into that like that's one of his things is he's about the movies and about the film and stuff like that so that's that's a tarantino about the audience experience yeah yeah, yeah. well and and this movie shows this you know a lot of people call this a love letter to hollywood or right. a love letter to the 60s and a love letter to film and stuff and i i could see a lot of that um did did it was it enough to make it a great film we'll talk about that in a okay. minute all right <laughs> uh but like i said before i'm noah and with me as always is my main man steve say hi steve hello everyone and we are coming to you <laughs> from the great outdoors yeah uh, noah got a campsite and invited me out there where our, our, our original plan was to watch a horror movie and kind of podcast around <laughs> a campfire but we tried to coax our friend alicia in yeah. to join us for that because she's always around for our horror podcast she couldn't make it so we're going to plan that for another oh another yeah. time because that sounds like a lot of fun. Yep. Uh, but we still... Are, uh, no, we're still here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we, we, we joined a camping club kind of thing. We got a camper. And so my wife likes me to get out here on a Wednesday night. And I tell her that's podcast night. And she's like, well, figure it out. And so <laughs> uh, she didn't say that. But uh, she gave me the look that said that. Right. Um, so what I do is I, I this time was no different. I was like, well, Steve, you want to come out here? And so, yeah, we're, we are literally in the campsite. Uh, hopefully we're not bugging anybody, but we'll see. Uh, and... If it gets too cold, we'll go inside. But we're outside. Yeah, if doing it gets this. too hot, we'll take a dip in the Russian River, which is right. uh, just a few <laughs> feet away. So. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, so we're going to cover this. Uh, next week, join us. Uh, we're going to be back with our MCU crew. We're covering Ant-Man and the Wasp's Quantumanium. Finally. Finally, finally yeah. <laughs> I think Bo was afraid. starts on that. Bo was afraid to cover this. <laughs> He was okay last time. Uh, I think. I think we were just waiting for it to finally drop on. Yes. Uh, and it actually drops tonight, Disney. the night we're uh, we're podcasting yeah. about this one. So we have a whole week to watch it on Disney Plus. Yeah. So that's cool. Uh, but yeah, join us again next week. But before we get to talking about uh, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in dot 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 Hollywood, uh, we're going to talk about the drinks we've made for this. And yes, just because we're out camping, and probably even more so because we're out in, in great outdoors and camping, we, we got some drinks. Um, 
I almost I almost went with a s'more themed one. Just forget the whole movie thing and just went camping specific. <laughs> uh, and, and almost went with a s'mores one. I was like, hmm, that might be kind of good. But I didn't. I went with something else. But I want to hear what you have first. Actually, that would have been kind of fun because you could light it on fire <laughs> yeah. and 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 call it because th- that's the direction <laughs> oh. I went. Yeah. Um, and, I didn't and even think about that. So you say we're not ready to talk about the movie, but I do got to do a quick disclaimer. And I and the reason I do this is because when when this movie uh, premiered at the Cannes Film Festival, uh, Quentin Tarantino asked people who are watching it not to discuss the the ending or not to discuss the movie before audiences saw it. Mm-hmm. Now we are we're we're four years past that, so oh, yeah. we are going to be spoiling this. <laughs> uh, but um, so so I wanted to throw that throw it out there that we we do spoil movies, but hopefully you guys have had had a chance to see it see it. If you haven't. Maybe go check it out before you listen to the podcast because we're going to be talking about it. And a lot of this is um, this movie is about kind of going against your expectations in a, in a sense. So with that in mind, I uh, made a cocktail that that kind of honored a, a, a kind of fantastical uh, death scene in the end <laughs> by one of our um, uh, one of our um, Manson family hippie, <laughs> uh, Sadie. Uh, she gets uh, she gets the whole um uh, Rick Dalton treatment with the flamethrower. She gets all of it, and <laughs> and she gets lit up. So I call this one the flaming Sadie, and this is a uh, a, a brandy based cocktail. I actually used some Hennessy cognac, which is what Al Pacino's character calls out at one point. He calls out an EXO. That's a little above my price uh, <laughs> price point. Um, this is just a um, a very special. Um, cognac but anyway i got the hennessy and i turned this into very much like a negroni i used uh, hennessy as the base and i i went with a sweet vermouth and a campari to complement it which i thought was kind of nice because you got your sweet and your bitter and it's kind of a bittersweet ending in at the end it makes you (laughs) happy for what's changed but at the same time you know it really happened so and then i um i took a, a lemon wedge and i sprayed the hell out of it with um with uh absinthe um, so I got it, got it nice and coated and then I ignited it and uh, lit it on fire. And, and I got to say, it's got kind of that smoky mezcal, um, flavor, oh, okay. which is kind of a nice shout out because, uh, that's what that, Dalton's yeah. drinking, drinking in his movie within the, the movie, movie yeah. or the, the television Western series within the movie, um, which is kind of, kind of nice. And, um, and, uh, the absinthe actually adds a nice flavor too. So it's, so it, it takes it. And in a little different direction than a Negroni, but anyway, I call this the the flaming Sadie, and nice, very very delicious. Cool, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, when they were drinking the mezcal at that point, I was uh, I was a little, I was like, that's the first time I've seen a Western where you, they order tequila or mezcal and they bring them limes. Like I've never seen that. It's like always they just shoot it. There is no lime and salt, like which is you know typical for nowadays. But I don't, I've never seen that in a Western or a movie before, like where it's supposed to be the hardcore drinkers drinking mezcal and then shooting a lime afterwards. Um, and but yeah, well, tip- this is this is also a TV show, so it it may be. But it's still in the '60s. I just I thought it was no, no. weird. I just okay. I mean, those are the that's when westerns were westerns, and yeah, I've never seen that in a western before, where it's like, you know, they're always so hardcore about it. I never watched any of the western TV shows, which I, I know this was actual an actual series, wasn't it? You never it? watched Bonanza? No. Mm, no, I don't think I did. 
<laughs> I mean, I, I, mean I know it. I, I'm sure I hear yeah. it referenced a lot, but I don't think I ever sat down and watched it. Or Little House on the Prairie? Watch Batman. Uh, <laughs> That's not you know, a Western. They, well, no, but they do reference that at the end of this. If you watch the end of the credits, oh, okay. they come out and, and Batman and Robin do the whole... Oh, uh, yeah, that's They right. talk about the the secret code to get your yes that to get was your, weird your your prize i think it was like a television set you get a television yeah. set if you listen and it, it sounds exactly like adam west and and whoever the guy i'm sure it was i think it was and burt ward a oh, burt ward okay yeah. is that right and i think that sounds right okay i, I i'm not a i don't um, know where i pulled that out of but i think that's right yeah i'd say your ass but anyway i, I, mean, you're I, did, better than that. I did watch that when i was a kid i, don't, I think it was reruns because i think it was before oh, yeah. uh be, it was filmed in the 60s yeah this yeah this movie took place in in sixty eight and sixty nine. Of course, the the Manson murders took place in August of sixty nine. Um, yeah, it was weird. I Tarantino kind of. I listened. To, let me let me get to my drink before we get. Too I'm deep sorry. In this. Yeah. No, no. I, I thought about it, <laughs> but then I was like, oh, I'm kind of thirsty. No. Um, so there's plenty of drinks to go with this, and one of the ones, um, you know, the two main characters, Rick Dalton, uh, played by uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, and then Brad Pitt played his his stuntman. Booth, his best man, you know, his buddy, uh, his, his just everything kind of dude, uh, Clint Booth, and something about that character I just liked. I was I was all about it, right? Just something about it. But he he in two different scenes he drinks a Bloody Mary. Uh, one of them is a bottomless Bloody Mary, which I'm like, yeah, anything bottomless has got to be good. <laughs> um, so that's kind of where I went, and, and I also liked it just because I was like something about bloody marriage you can just go crazy with what you put in it like there's just so many different ways like there's no perfect bloody mary because everybody has a different flavor palette for them some people like them spicy i'm not one of those people but <laughs> um anyways i made mine uh i went with uh, va juice as my base uh so i did five ounces of va juice i know tomato juice is one but I've, i grew up on va juice oh yeah i love va juice yeah uh, but it's I, a vegetable it, drink it's not just tomato juice but some people oh that's not but whatever i did two ounces of vodka um i ended up finding this one at trader joe's that i thought was really cool because it was it, it said a, a small batch uh vodka at trader joe's and it was pretty inexpensive and i was like oh that's kind of neat distilled like 10 times so i'm like oh maybe it's pretty good trader joe this has a lot of trader joe's stuff in it so okay, right. <laughs> pretty much i think almost all of the stuff i've gotten um into into the into the shaker, I put the vodka, the juice, uh, added a dash of celery salt, garlic salt, and onion powder. Then I added a a couple dashes of uh, Worcestershire sauce, and then a squeeze of uh, some horseradish, some liquid horseradish. Yeah. And uh, I was like, mm, half a li- uh, lemon in it, squeezed that in there, and then uh, gave it a shake. Right, perfect. You know, get it all shooken up with the ice. Poured it into a glass that I rimmed with a chili lime powder that i found at trader joe's that i was like i gotta find something to 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 rim this glass in and i thought chili lime powder's gotta go perfect with this gets a little of that heat that some people like in their bloody marys gets that little bit of a, a citrusy that also goes well with the tomato juice so i gave that a shot then i garnished the hell out of this thing right i got the celery because you got to have celery right it's bloody mary you got to have celery right i got two of these little tiny pickles that i found at trader joe's that i just love they're little dill pickles but they're they're like half the size of my pinky 
I got uh, some olives with garlic in it, and then I got this pepperoni stick, this little meat stick in the middle. And, and it's so, yeah, it's nice erection on that thing. Yeah. <laughs> you got one side, you got you got the olives on either side too, so yes. that actually does look like a like a penis. Like it does. That's it's standing very up, very uh, very bold <laughs> and proud. <laughs> but anyways, that's that's my uh, my bloody mary. I call this uh, Bruce's butt bloody ego because of the controversy that went around with uh, with people and how the treatment of Bruce or how they perceive the treatment of Bruce Lee in this movie, which I, I think these people are a little over themselves. Uh, I think he was fine in there. It's, it's a fictional movie, and it's not wholly untrue the way that he was treated. And, so. and it's 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 also told from the point of view of of, <laughs> right. of Cliff Booth's Cliff, memory. Yeah. And not only that, it's a double memory. It's a memory within a memory because he's remembering when he. When, oh, that's good. <laughs> um, oh, actually, no. That was the that was the memory when he uh, was on the boat with his wife, which right. is another interesting scene. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, it's when he's on top of the roof, mm-hmm. you know, taking off his shirt, showing off his masculine <laughs> chest, and uh, and remembering uh, the whole reason why he's why he can't work why he's working on on a on a rooftop fixing an <laughs> antenna rather than doing some stuntman work. It's because because uh, he ended up kicking the shit out of Bruce Lee. <laughs> well. See, that's and that's one of the main things I want to talk about this because to me, everybody is like, oh, they treated Bruce so bad. And I was like, not really. The, the, the conversation that they have sounded just like something Bruce Lee has said. Oh, yeah. I'm well, okay. So apparently, they cast some or they offered the part to someone else mm-hmm. who turned it down just for that reason. They didn't like how it was portrayed. Um, but uh, but yeah, this is a very very much a fantasy scene. This is. Well, but if you listen to the old the old um, video um, and, and discussions with Bruce Lee, it sounds just like how he talked. He had a very arrogant speak about him. Not to say he was an arrogant person, um, but he had this arrogance about him, and that's the way that speech came off. And he said stuff that's similar to what was said in this. And uh, one of the other things I found out uh, was listening to Tarantino talk to Joe Rogan on his podcast that one of the things was is that uh, Bruce Lee was not very um, liked by stuntmen because while they were filming, he would intentionally hit and kick them, like make contact, full contact with these guys, which is kind of like a no-no. And he had zero respect for American stuntmen, whatever. We don't know for sure because Bruce Lee is dead and we can't go back and ask him, right? And so, you know, it's... <laughs> right. You, you got to go with what the side of the people talk about. I think it's an interesting character to portray in this movie too, which is exploring exploring these actors and people who portray people <laughs> that are supposed to be, you know, heavies. Yeah. You, you know, and that's that's the very much the representation between Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth. Rick Dalton is he's the well, I mean, he's the heavy in the in this uh in this western that he comes on, but I mean, he's the he's the actor that's portraying the the masculine mm-hmm. um figure that he's the one that every every man wants to be. Him. <laughs> but Cliff Booth is the one that takes all the, all the hits and is the one that's really doing all the <laughs> all the, the stunt work, right? And that's kind of I that's that that fits with the whole Bruce Lee thing is because that's just kind of making a play on the fact that Bruce Lee, well, he was an actor. He was mm-hmm. this was all play play acting, you know. It and I, I'm sure he had something to back it up, but uh, but well, it, that's and, where and the that's, controversies come yeah. from is people, you know. Depending on who you talk to, they'll tell you that Bruce Lee was one of the the best martial artists ever. Um, which was never founded or, or proven untrue either way. 
because he wasn't around enough. He didn't do tournaments. He didn't put it up on a stage. Most of what he did was scripted yeah. things. Now, what he did was incredible. I, I won't ever take that away. And, and I think he is an incredible martial artist. But I don't think that, and, and this goes to anybody out there. There is, no matter how bad Dash you are, there's someone in the world that can kick your ass. <laughs> and and that was the character that Quentin Tarantino wanted to create for mm-hmm. this movie. Cliff Booth is a fictional character, but in his mind, <laughs> right. I think he even said this in an interview, in his mind, Cliff Booth could kick mm-hmm. Bruce Lee's ass. And that's the character he created in this fictional world of his. And it's also a flashback from Cl- Cliff Booth's mind. So he's obviously going to exaggerate well, it a little bit too. So I, I think it's... Fair game. And <laughs> well, did you know? So uh, Tarantino wrote a book um, uh, off of this movie. It's like a novelization of the book. Oh, my God, you got it. Nice. Yes. I, <laughs> I was reading about that today. I, I, I know I just spotted my Kindle. I just opened it up because I got so excited about it and I downloaded it because <laughs> I'm really interested in reading it. It's his first right. uh, work where he's one of the things when when I was listening to uh Quentin Tarantino being interviewed for this was he was talking about the stuff that he writes for the script and for the actors. He said he said he wrote um, he wrote a whole scene about the boat about uh, Brad Pitt's character Cliff Booth Mm. and what actually happened on the booth on the boat. I don't know if it's in this on book, <laughs> but he said, but he said uh, he wrote it. He shared it with Brad Pitt so that Brad Pitt knew the story, oh. and he's not going to share it with anyone else. I, this was before he wrote this book, so I don't know if it's in here or not. Nice. Uh, but anyway, he also said Brad, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio didn't accept the role until he showed him the the picture book. He said he put together a, a book on the actor, very much oh, like an Rick. old like 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 you would for an actor showing the retrospect of what the, what the actor Rick Dalton has done oh, in his okay. past. And he showed him, I've done this <laughs> to kind of demonstrate it. I mean, it, it sounds, it's so inventive. It's like it's, he's making a movie, but he's also creating all these things to go with it. And, and he's sharing it with the people that need to know, but it's almost like his personal collection. So I'm hoping that this book kind of dives into some of that stuff because I th- I'm fascinated with, well, that's, with that. That's one of the things he said about Cliff Booth in this, and that's Brad Pitt's character, is that we don't get the backstory 100%, but in the book right. he talks about that he was a, a veteran, he fought in the war, he is a natural killer. And the difference between him and Bruce Lee is Bruce Lee isn't a killer. Bruce Lee is a fighter. And so the difference is, is Bruce Lee is just trying to beat him, but Cliff Booth is trying not to kill him. Yeah. And so I just thought that well, was incredible. And that's, that's something you don't get out of the movie, but and, I just thought it was funny, the controversy. And the, all. and the character of Cliff Booth is meant to be, uh, <laughs> meant to be just, you know, drooled over by, by men. Looking, <laughs> I, and, well, and women too, but I mean, men want to be him just very much like he is. And then you look at at the the Rick Dalton character, who's kind of whiny and you know <laughs> he cries, he has his fits and stuff like that. It's interesting the the the, the kind of dichotomy between these two characters. I loved that relationship, almost like a like a split personality yin and of yang, two, yang, of yang, two yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I didn't think about that. That's a that's a good analogy to how the two of them are. Um, well, you, you know, we're talking about Cliff Booth, and, and I don't want to say that the whole movie's about him, but he is a big part of it. Sure. One of the other parts we get is when they, they go to the ranch, where they used to shoot the Spawn film. Ranch. Spawn Ranch. Yeah. One of my cocktail ideas was was called a demon 
uh, demon spawn. I, th- I thought I thought that would be clever. I and and I looked I looked up and there was actually a demon spawn and it didn't look good at all. So so but I liked the name. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Okay, I'm oh, sorry. No, no, that's cool. Spawn Ranch, which I, is a real place, and that and that, there was yeah. a lot of historical. Well, and, and, and exactly, and and so even the um, the main guy that owned it still that that the stuff that happened with him, although it seems very fictional is actually true he, yeah. he literally was like no nah, i'm letting these hippies live here and the manson family basically because you know he's probably an old man that was on his own and they're taking and they, care of and him. they fucked him and <laughs> and made him happy and and yeah, yeah i they they have that kind of they they talk about that with squeaky yeah uh um squeaky from a uh that is is one of the names I remember from my childhood. Oh, you know, okay. I, I of course I, I, I wasn't born until 1970, but the Charles Manson name Charles Manson name was very haunting at a young age, mm-hmm. and I didn't know why. But uh, <laughs> you, you, but uh, but that squeaky uh, from and, and helter skelter. I didn't know what that meant. Uh, you know, and then the Beatles are involved. The White Album. What the <laughs> heck is this? It's such a weird mystery of, of of things. This movie doesn't solve any of those no. mysteries, but no. it but it makes it. It, it for some reason this sort of this sort of dark history is so fascinating and I think Quentin Tarantino knows that and he's he's drawing the audience in on it on it and then and then doing his own number on it right. anyway okay but I want to go back to what you were talking so, about so so uh, this was one of the coolest scenes to me because it actually had some weight where it it had some like gravitas to it where we don't know what's going on and and i guess this also brings up another point if you don't know the manson family story and what they did uh does this does this story hold more weight or less weight like do you feel like it's like almost like no i think i think it is very dependent on you knowing that story Uh um i think the movie has its entertainment value but but i think i think I think he was very, very much counting on it being a story that resonated with so many, so many people because it's, it's everyone's generation. Even, even yeah. people, even a younger audience knows Charles Manson, the yeah. name, uh, and may not know all the history, but, but he pulls enough of it in. Um, so, so when the ending comes, it's going to be a, yeah. I just thought it was a, a really shock. cool scene, but that's knowing what was happening. But the he whole- agrees. Quentin, they asked Quentin Tarantino uh-huh. about this scene, and and they said they one of the interviewers was asking him. He did an interview. Um, we have an audience. Yeah, we Listen. got some birds chirping. <laughs> Hopefully, it's not ruining the the pod. But I don't we, think so. We got some very loud birds here. Uh, maybe they want to tell us what they thought of Once Upon a Time. On a... <laughs> Should we tell them to shut up? <laughs> <laughs> loud. Okay, keep going. Um, uh, he was asked. Quentin Tarantino was asked about the Spawn Ranch scene. They were uh, the the interviewer was saying it was shot very much like a western. Yes, which which I thought and 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 I think Quentin Tarantino was very honored at the at how the the question was phrased because he's like, yes, I, absolutely. <laughs> he and he, he he says it's one of his favorite scenes, but but especially how it kind of plays off. Well, not especially, but he said it also plays off. Uh, because it's cut back and forth between both Sharon Tate going to the theater yeah. and then also Rick Dalton doing kind of this fake scene. Yeah. And here here he is you know really doing, some doing real... something. There one of the one of the analysts or analysis of the of the movie was talking about the three main characters uh, being Rick Dalton, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Cliff Booth played by Brad Pitt, both fictional characters, but then also uh, Sharon Tate 
played by uh, Margot Robbie, being past, present, and future. And I loved this, whereas Sharon Tate, or well, let's start with Leonardo DiCaprio. He's kind of the has-been actor. Yeah, yeah. He's living in the past. He wants to rekindle that, but he's just, all he can do is, is you know, he's drinking too much. He's, <laughs> he's just frustrated. It's all about the past. Whereas Brad Pitt, he's living in the moment. Everything mm. is all about that moment. Okay, you know, okay. He's the one that responds, you know, and that, and that Spawn Ranch scene yeah. is absolutely shows how he... You know, he he reads the situation uh-huh. and says something's got to be done, and I'm I'm gonna do it. You yeah. Know, he goes up, he marches up to the door, and and uh, takes no for an answer. Yeah, he's like, I'm coming in. Whether yeah. uh, you know this this lock is not gonna stop me. I'm coming yeah. in. Um, and whereas Sharon Tate is kind of this hope for the future. She's got her future ahead of her. You know, she's you know that she's pregnant. Yeah. You know, a big part of it. So it's all about the future uh, with her. And and I think Margot Robbie, she doesn't have many lines in it, but she plays it with such. She didn't need lines because no, it was she, about her physical presence. And she she has this this demeanor that I think Quentin Tarantino called her the heartbeat of the movie. But you're drawn towards just I would her. Call presence. her more the happiness. Yeah. Um, but anyway, her she's the hope, she's the yeah. future and stuff. And so those three things are interesting in how they play parts. And and so, but the Spawn Ranch scene was very much a present moment. It was, yeah. it was, it was, and and that's something that I think as as men or as people <laughs> that are responding to Cliff Booth, they're 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 attracted to his ability to respond to the moment and yeah. do rather than you know regret or think back or be nostalgic not you know or be too much of you know into the future he is yeah. someone that just responds yeah no i agree with that now i heard i heard a very similar analogy too where where it was the past present and uh, future but it was a little bit different instead of using um so rick rick was definitely the the past that has been the the past is prime trying to figure out how to, yeah but it was uh it was um Sharon Tate was the current in living in the moment and living in, you know, watching okay. herself do the films and, and had that she is now and she's going forward. And then it was the little girl uh, who was uh, Trudy Frazier, uh, played by, yeah. by Julia Butters, uh, who was the uh, the up and coming, the new the new star, the, the, okay. the fresh, un, un molested by the the fantasy of the world you know and new in that and so that was where i heard it and i was like oh that was great and she played such an incredible job like <laughs> i love her reaction with rick and their their conversations and and her reaction to rick you mean when he when she the said that's beginning. the best oh, okay no no it start well that that's a great that's that cherry on top yeah but it starts with the beginning when when he's like can i sit down next to you and they're talking and stuff and <laughs> she he calls her uh, pumpkin face or pumpkin bud or something like that she, she goes i don't care for that but i'll let it slide right now and i was like oh she's got <laughs> i what well, i think it's interesting it's interesting to look at hollywood as kind of a character in this in this mm. film too because very much so i think and you know some people say that the charles manson murders were the end of the 60s of the 60s it kind of was kind of ended this uh free love and it, but i think I think Quentin Tarantino is showing how it also ended kind of Hollywood's innocence. Oh, you yeah. know, the innocence of Hollywood. So, you know, after this, you had a lot more kind of self, uh, 
self-reflective movies that, <laughs> that dealt with horror and you know uh-huh. Halloween and, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which Gosh. really trying to face down some of these 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 dangers that we kind of came to terms with. Um, but prior to that, there was so much innocence in Hollywood, and I liked your word unmolested um, mm-hmm. because. Maybe maybe that's what the girl kind of represents is this unmolested Hollywood, this mm-hmm. this where where we're we're attracted to these movies, these shows that are so simple minded. They're not you know, I, I get I get so excited about movies that are deep and resonant and kind of you know, you call Thinkers. it pinky out, yeah. But the, <laughs> but 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 yeah, that 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 are grounded, that have that are raw. You know, characters in in Marvel movies. Even we talk about what was the what was the Jessica Jones. There was oh, kind yeah, of a raw yeah. power with, and especially in that first season with uh, with Big Man or Purple Man. Purple um, Man and. Yeah, where where it gets you just kind of goes into that dark and gritty. But but this was before those times where yeah. it was much more about these fantastical endings, you know, <laughs> it was happy endings, which certainly this movie tried to to reshape yeah, Hollywood was... <laughs> and say let's 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 go Hollywood on it. Once yeah. upon a time in Hollywood is such a perfect title for this too because you, you've got the the, the Sergio fantasy. Leone yeah. once upon a time in the west and and kind of mixed with well it's that once upon a time is that that's the beginning the of tale. all fairy tales yeah and so yeah. yeah I liked what they did and where it brought um the early Hollywood feel with uh like the wide open freeway in the driving scenes and and do you know that they this was like the first time they, they shut, shut down, down LA for two hours in the middle of the day so that they can they could uh, yeah not LA but I mean the, yeah. this this portion of the freeway so they could just pack well, it with uh, so with just I had fifty just, year old cars I just had come back from Pasadena um, last week and so watching that I was like how the hell <laughs> yeah like, no CGI <laughs> at all that was all legit. Um, yeah, so that was really cool, and but I I also noticed too that there were some of the other car scenes that just had a, a feel to them that were different. Like, like Quentin Tarantino actually talked about uh, there was there was a, a night scene where it had a whole bunch of signs passing and stuff. He said mm-hmm. that was he said when he was a kid because he he was about eight years old in '69. He's 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 almost ten years older than we are, um, and um, or more. Wait, yeah, that's about right. Okay. Um, but he said he used to watch his stepfather driving mm. and that and so the, the that shot was actually from his point of view oh. and he said it was just kind of an amalgamation of all the signs that he saw he said yeah you wouldn't get a stretch that had so many things but he said that's how he remembered it yeah. and he he kind of tried to capture that that uh what how he remembered it it was kind yeah. of his his point of view that the part i remember that that really got me and made me kind of appreciate it was um it was the scene with uh, Brad Pitt driving um, during the middle of the day, and it was it was the movement of the camera shifted back and forth, so it didn't just stay like it was on a trolley being pulled or anything like that. It lit- it was almost like someone was on a motorcycle next to him, and they couldn't just stay in that same lane, so it kind of shifted yeah. back and forth, and so it looked really cool, and it was different than what you get a lot of these steady cam kind of shots, and I thought it was really. Um, it, it, well, it I'm sure he was doing day. actual driving. It wasn't like yeah. in a studio. Well, it made me think of like 
like just being in a real an old car. Like, yeah, they're not as smooth as the new cars. Did you ever see uh, Death Proof? What was that? That was that double feature with uh, with Kurt Russell, <laughs> Kurt Russell and, and uh, Zoe Bell. <laughs> um, both of them who are in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is great because Zoe Bell she's she's an actual stunt stunt yes. stunt person and and she was she became the lead in that in that in that scene. But but anyway, you you talk about the car uh-huh. uh, photography, which. It very much is is, is similar ta- to that, and he talked a lot about that on the on the Joe Rogan podcast uh, that he's on. That he talks a lot about that movie specifically and how they did some of the stunts and some of the things. And uh, that's one of the things with this movie too, more so than any of the other Tarantino movies. There's so many almost cameos, right? You know, he brought in a lot of people from previous. Yeah, and big names. Burt Reynolds was supposed to play yeah. the uh, George Spawn. He uh, actually did the readings and was up for it, and then died during before he, he did. He yeah, he he rehearsed with mm-hmm. with Brad Pitt. Yeah. Uh, you know, ahead of time, and and uh, yeah, and and he and it, apparently he was he was running his lines like the moment before he died. Oh. He, he he was running his lines, went to the bathroom, died. You know that that's what Quentin Tarantino said, which, which is that's so brutal. so Quentin Tarantino feels that that he was a part of this movie. Well, um, not only that, but this this the early part of Rick or, or that kind of that early uh, where he does the spaghetti westerns apparently was based somewhat off of uh, off of Burt Reynolds because he he went and did a spaghetti western to kind of boost his career. He also had a, his own stuntman for a while. Yeah, who, who went on and directed like Smoking the Bandit and yep. some other movies. Yep. But yeah. Really cool, but I mean, it, it, you got just tons of all people that were in other, you know, other Tarantino's movies, like you said, Kurt Russell sure. was in there. Um, just, Michael Madsen. Yeah, there's just a lot of uh, little uh, Timothy Timothy Oliphant. I don't yeah. know if he was. I don't know if he was in any of the other Tarantinos, but I just I was so excited to see him. He was so well cast because I mean, he's already he plays that kind of the character he's in like Deadwood justified. justified yeah. yeah. And uh, Deadwood. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, so it, it fits. It was great. And yeah. doesn't he do the shot behind he does his the back shot behind the back. <laughs> and he's the one that drinks the mezcal with the lime. Chaser. I love his look on his face too. When Leonardo DiCaprio forgets when Rick oh, Dalton his forgets his line, he's like, Oh, and Rick Dalton, he is, I love that scene in the it's trailer great. when oh. he just goes, he goes off. He on throws a fit. Do you know, uh, I was, I was watching just recently. I, I think, uh, I think they recently released a documentary on, um, Michael J. Fox, oh. uh, who, in who recently retired completely because, yeah. because of his, uh, uh, his Parkinson Parkinson's. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, and he said the, that that was the scene that made him retire. Was that oh he, really? he was watching the scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when Rick Dalton is in his trailer throwing a fit because he can't remember his lines, and Michael J. Fox just kind of said, "That's kind of where I'm at." And well, I, I, I don't I don't exactly know what what he drew from it, but but he's he's just gotten to a point where he can't he oh can't remember God. things anymore. Well not uh, only that, like I don't I don't know if he could even film I saw that I saw an interview with him recently. Yeah. Um and his he can't even hold his body still. Like he's he just has zero like his motor skills are going and, and there's just, like I don't know if he could even do any real acting I, anymore. I, I used to watch him uh, not too long ago, but in Good in The Good Wife, that was a series a great series on on uh, one of the networks that uh, he played a he played a, a lawyer who had Parkinson's, but mm. uh, uh, but it, he was great. Do you he think they wrote that into the character that. because they had to, or 
Well, they to, cast him uh, to to explain some of the the movements and he. Well, he was he already had Parkinson's. Yeah, when, but I, when they cast him, so. But I mean, because yeah, doesn't sure. I mean he loses motor control at some points with Parkinson's. That's part of what it is. Like the, the yes, and so I think I think the medication creates kind of the, the do you shakes. Think, do you stuff. think they added that just so that they didn't have to reshoot a bunch of stuff every time he had to do had to have some movement? You know, every time every time he accidentally has movements for Parkinson's where right. he can't control it, do you think they just added that as a as part of the character so they could shoot that and just leave it in? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it makes. <laughs> I, I'm not saying it's a bad yeah. thing. I think it's it's great that he was still able to do as much as he did with with his is with it. Yeah, the life that you know what he was given. I, I don't take anything away from him. He was a great guy. And yeah, he is a still a great guy. So yeah. I don't. I'm not trying to make fun of it or or, or poke fun of it. I was just. I'm just saying it. Just kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, there's so many cool people in this. Um, but yeah, Timothy 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 Oliphant to me was just one of the cool. And I like. When they first were showing those scenes, like it, it was so seamless into it, you're almost like, like, are they showing an old? Like, they, was, they did it was a, so they, good. They did a uh, th- some of them. They shot original, like this, like the scene with uh, with Michael Madsen at the at the beginning. Uh, that was all. That was all the the bounty. Yeah, yeah. What's it called bounty hunter? No, bounty law. Bounty, bounty law. law. That was all shot for the movie. But the the scenes, the the spaghetti west or the oh the the the, <laughs> the one where he he uh, jumps the car across yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I think they have a little arrow that say that this is this, this is, is Cliff Booth. Yeah, that was an actual movie. Yes, um, they I, just threw I his. That was it. Um, and the one where he where uh, he comes out with the Rick Dalton comes out with the. With a gun and starts shooting them oh, up, yeah, um, that pops act- out of the car. That they just edited Rick Dalton in for that. That was actually, um, that is the show that they were talking about. Uh, um, FBI. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I think that was a real FBI yeah. episode. Well, they even had uh, Mr. Roper. Right? Did you notice him? Yeah. I, we know him from Three's Company for audiences who aren't old enough to remember Three's <laughs> Company, but, but Mr. Roper was was uh, was uh, someone we all... We knew. We knew. We knew. <laughs> yeah, if, we, if you grew up in the 70s with Three's Company and Happy Days. Um, but also, um, what do you think of the fact that they chose to use the real footage of Sharon Tate when she's in the theater? So that was, that was an interesting... I didn't know about it until after I watched it, and, and, and I was like, I was like, it doesn't doesn't look like, and I was like, it, it, it looked, looked off. They they did a moment where they cut between her, yeah, in the movie, and then and then and then Margot Robbie playing the character who's auditioning with Bruce yes. Lee. Uh, so and so I was like, okay. And then when I heard the description, or uh, and and it was it was Tarantino and uh, and Margot Robbie talking about why they did that, and uh, I thought it was a good good call. Yeah, I, I thought it was really. It, it, it's kind of one of those things is like. A lot of people know Sharon Tate's name because of what happened and stuff like that, um, but not, a lot of people don't necessarily know her from any movies. And so this was kind of a chance to kind of give her a little bit of absolutely praise life. right. So, I mean, it, it's almost it makes me choke up a little bit because <laughs> because I yeah her name is known for the Charles Manson murders and but and, nothing for her movies as much right. And this movie so much respected who she was uh-huh. as a person and kind of and and it took a moment to just show hey here she yeah. is with uh, Dean Martin doing yeah. a doing a comedy <laughs> scene which she already talked about how comedy is is a, is is a harder harder right, thing right. to do and where she followed down on his his luggage and stuff that was yeah actually I saw I think I saw that in an interview with uh, with the actual Sharon Tate and uh, Roman Polanski were doing an interview with Hugh Hefner. 
And oh. uh, she was talking about how comedy being was, was, was that in the movie or was that no no it wasn't in the movie so that had to been okay that had to been something they did real. have the party at the at the yeah at the you know that Playboy. was kind of, that was probably one of the few things that I was like that could have been cut. you got your boy uh, uh, oh yeah uh, no. Damian Lewis playing yeah. Steve McQueen <laughs> so okay so I you know I always go into IMDb and look at the the list of who's in it and as soon as I saw him I was like oh my boy I was like oh is, you know yeah I, I, apparently during Bounded Brothers I think they the it was the makeup person said oh this or someone oh, said you, you look he, like you Steve look McQueen. like Steve McQueen and that, that's what they drew from that's it. hilarious but they don't they don't actually call him out in the movie you don't nope. know it's just, well they do with text they they they? They, okay. they circle them out and then they put their names underneath. Oh, it, okay, it, yeah. good. Um, okay, but yeah, it's, I missed that. It was it was good, but that was one of those scenes. I was like, that didn't really do anything to further this, other than it, it, it showed. Got you into, it got you into the culture. I, I noticed Quentin Tarantino was actually not. He, there was a point where he he wasn't he didn't want to do it in color at one point because he didn't want to oh. embrace. He didn't want to make this a seventy or a sixties. <laughs> you know. Uh, um, psychedelic romp kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, he, he he wanted he wanted to avoid having it look like it was from the oh, '70s. At the same time, got it. you're kind you, you the got on, that's the the, the era only, you're in. The so. only thing I got from that that whole Playboy scene was the fact that uh, Roman Polanski uh, dressed like uh, Austin Powers. He dressed like Austin Powers. <laughs> he also dressed like uh, like De- uh, Django. Uh, oh, uh, it almost it almost looked like the exact same, same outfit that that uh, <laughs> they wore in Django Unchained with the with the kind of the frilly, the frilly. Front. Yeah. Well, and I guess but that was. I, I guess Lansky. I was gonna say. I guess. Well, I guess there's a picture of him actually wearing that. So I guess yeah. it's more like uh, Austin Powers dressed like Roman Polanski did. Have you seen? Have you watched any Roman Polanski movies? Not that I, I know the name, I, but I couldn't tell you a movie that he's done. So he's he's no, you know, he's not. He's kind of a creepy guy. He, they're, they're even I think if you if if you listen to any of that Joe Rogan interview, uh-huh. uh, you, right before oh, the podcast, the- we were talking about Joe Rogan interviewing Quentin Tarantino, and I mentioned he also uh, interviewed uh, someone who was investigating the the actual Charles Charles Manson murders. Right, but, right. But he was talking about a tape that was after the actual murders happened, there was a tape from the house that was removed that the FBI looked at and then it was returned. Uh. And then, and then after Polanski got back, he grabbed it. He didn't know that it had actually been viewed by the FBI and people just assumed it was a sex tape of, of, but it turned, but according to this, this person in the know, he asked, he asked about it and it was revealed. I don't, I don't know if this, he didn't know if this was actually true, but it was revealed that it wasn't a, it was it was a tape of of Sharon Tate being um, fucked by a couple of other guys with Roman Polanski off camera directing them. Oh so, shit! So and, and then, then both of them comment, both uh, Joe Rogan and this guy comment about Roman Polanski being you kind know, of a weirdo, kind of a weirdo. But he got kicked out of uh, of America due to uh, well, he didn't get kicked out. He actually got prosecuted for uh, statutory rape. And oh. and he fled, so he is not welcome back. Maybe that's and that was what back I know. in the 70s. I was gonna say, maybe that's what I know um, him from. I remember him from a movie that I loved during the early 90s called Frantic with Harrison Ford. Okay, um, and it's a it's this movie about Harrison Ford plays this character that they go to France and he and his wife, and his wife ends up missing, um. Because because of some switched baggage and stuff, but it's a it's really a, an effective movie. And, and Roman Polanski is 
a good director, even though he's <laughs> yeah. There's there's probably probably kind of like a Woody Woody Allen type character is that oh, they make good movies, but they but they're like but out, you you, outside, you don't want to like, actually know anything about them. <laughs> yeah, you're not sure if you actually want to appreciate their movies if if they're really not the right kind of <laughs> yeah. person to to respect. I think the, you big, know? the biggest one I can see on his list that I know of is Rosemary's Baby. Well, they even referenced that in this movie because yeah. this was this was that that was the, his the movie that put him on the map. And, yeah, and, and that and, was the, and that was the year he probably got with Sharon Tate. Yeah, and that was uh, uh, Woody Woody Allen's uh, ex-wife. Uh, what's her name? Was oh Rosemary, right uh, Mia Mia Farrow. Yeah, possibly I think she was the lead. Could be when. Who knows? I mean, yeah, but to, to 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 say that Hollywood's not filled with freaks would be just blatantly wrong. I mean, we we've seen that <laughs> in all. Uh, but no, this 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 is a cool movie, and it has a lot of cool stuff. That was just one of the scenes I thought we could have done with. I really liked what they did. I I thought the western aspect of it was really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I liked the fact that uh, you know, uh, Caprio, the stuff that he did with the character Rick was just it made me care about him. Like, and, and it, it, he, he had a vulnerability. He was, he, he embraced kind of his whininess. I, that, 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 that scene, I, that scene when the, the little girl whispers oh, into his ear, that was that's the best. the best acting. And, and he cries. And, and he the cries. Tear. He, that is, I mean, that, he could have gotten an Academy Award for that, that well, moment he was, right there. He was which nominated. Was, was he? Okay. And he was up against Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. Well, and I think he was robbed. I, I think he he should have got it over that. I don't, but I know Only, you're. All you're Joaquin not a... <laughs> did was walk around with a fucking weird ass back. It was a horrible fucking movie. <laughs> all right, well, yeah. okay. Uh, <laughs> but no, anyways. Uh, Brad Pitt got it though. Yeah, he, he got, got it for he got best it, supporting. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I guess they got one more. There was they were up for ten and only got two for this. I think there was like production design was was another one. I thought uh, the one they got was uh, screenplay. No, I don't think that's screenplay for this. I think they got like a Saturn award. There were other awards, but oh, okay. but I think for Academy Awards it was just uh, production design. There was, they but, were up for ten. You know, we're we're out in the wilderness, so <laughs> we can't look it up right now. We don't have a computer in front of us, and so not like we usually do. <laughs> no, um, yeah, there, this is interesting, and, and it's like like I said, uh, I thought the western part was really fun. I really enjoyed the the. The, when they were showing them actually filming the Western stuff and just everything about it, just enjoyed that. Um, but it also, this is one of those Quentin Tarantino movies that really isn't, it doesn't follow the same suit as a lot of his others. Like, I don't know about you, but like my, my favorite Quentin Tarantino films has got to be Kill Bill 1 and 2. Oh, really? I thought it was Inglorious Bastards. But... I, I really enjoy Inglorious Bastards, but I think if I had the two in front of me, okay. I would watch Kill Bill. Uh, just because there's there's something about Kill Bill, it just there there's something about it that is just so magical to me. Sure, um, I just love the fight scenes. I love how it's it's like there's different genres for each fight scene, and it, and it just it has this magic about it. Where Inglorious Bastards to me is a fun film. Like yeah. I love the comedy in it. Sure, is what it is. But it does. I don't know if it holds as much overall that that, that Kill Bill does. He is very you know all of his movies have extreme violence. And I thought it was interesting in this movie how um, how the, the the four, or I think one of them ends up leaving, um, 
killers at the end are oh. talking about why they're doing it and and they actually kind of call out <laughs> call out Hollywood call, call out Hollywood portraying so much violence and and we're killing the murderers that are that Do you think are, that was a little premature though for Hollywood being like like I don't think there was as much killing in in movies and in shows well, that I th- it, like I think compared that, to now I, I think that was actual stuff that they talked about back then as to the motives behind it as far as what these characters thought. So oh. I thought it I thought it was valid but I thought it was interesting that he called it out in this movie because that's what he gets accused yeah. of is his kind of his ultra violence that, you know, he kinda of glamorizes it and some people question whether that's that's you know, appropriate or not. Um, and uh, well, a lot of people like to point their their opinions at everybody else and tell them that they're wrong for theirs. I love watching him stand up for himself in oh, interviews right. too. He doesn't take any shit. <laughs> oh my god, the one the the you know Bruce Lee I talked about earlier, and and Joe Rogan asked him about it, and he's like, you know, for all these other people that you know are saying all this, they could suck a dick. And I was just like, <laughs> yes, yes. I was like, I, he, you know, he he had, I guess, uh, it's it's Bruce Lee's daughter that had a problem and he said you know i could see her having a problem but everybody else is picking nits at it and stuff like that they could suck a dick and i was just like yes you stand up for it i i heard uh brad pitt on my way here i was listening to a podcast or no it was it was a youtube um discussion uh but it was um they were talking about how the characters should be played. When Brad Pitt was saying, he asked Quentin Tarantino how we should play our characters for, uh, you know, uh, to, to aging has been <laughs> uh, actors. And Quentin Tarantino said, well, just play them like you would yourself. <laughs> That's <laughs> I, funny. I mean, I think, I think, I think Brad Pitt was being, was joking yeah. a little bit, but it is kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's, that is kind of like, you know what a lot of Hollywood is. Well, just I mean, a bunch of so when this was filmed, Brad Pitt was fifty-five, I believe. I know he looks good. <laughs> okay, so this is this is one that kind of made me laugh too. Is is a couple of the podcasts I listened to. There was a there was a few females and a few other uh, people that were talking about how Quentin Tarantino, some of the 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 shots he has of women and stuff like that, and he kept showing feet of girls and stuff like this. Yeah, and, and how how. He treated the women, and I was like, "Well, you have a a scene where Brad Pitt is on a roof and just takes his shirt off for no—I mean, no other reason to show off his body. How is that any different? Like, why is it always called out when a girl is filmed from like, oh, maybe from behind, so her butt shows a little bit, or they're showing their feet? But they've got these graphic scenes where these guys take off their shirts and show off their bodies, and it's never mentioned that oh, that's that's sexualizing the male." I, I I choose to look at both of those things in a different way. First off, I think with the feet, Quentin, I Tarantino, it was gross. Quentin Tarantino has a history with feet. And I think oh. I mean some people question whether he fetishizes it a bit. I think in this movie he got to the point where he was just kind of playing with that. With I got, that. Another, I got and, another take on that one. Okay, too. but but the uh, taking off your shirt on the roof, I think he really was creating a character in. In Booth, in was it Cliff Booth? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. In Cliff Booth, that was that just was, shows how body wise. Yeah, I, I think that was, was part of the fantastical nature of his character, who he was, and how he wanted him to come across on screen. So I think, I think he was he it it wasn't exploitation. It was it was for 
it, he was playing to the audience yeah. who was drawn. You know, he created a character. He wanted the audience to be drawn to this character as yeah. a stuntman, as someone who lived <laughs> in the now, who who would would sexualize. You know, who who could pick up a hitchhiker and and she'd want to <laughs> suck his cock on the way on the way to the to wherever and she was taking him and stuff like that. And that he, yeah, he would be able to be like, no, you know, I don't want to go to. You know, everyone like that was we have the willpower seat. for that. Hell no. Uh, shit, I shouldn't say that when I'm married. But, uh, but <laughs> I wouldn't be picking up a hitchhiker. I, yeah. either, so. <laughs> I, I, they wouldn't ask me. Yeah. They'd be like, no, you just yeah. keep going, buddy. Yeah, but so I think that was a... I think he was playing I, into that more, than, more than just exploiting. I just... But it's one of those things is why is it always pointed out anytime they, they, they film a woman in any way? It's always pointed out, oh, they're sexualizing the women. But when a guy takes off his shirt, it's never pointed out, oh, he's sexualizing the guy. Okay, I I just I, I, I'm okay. just throwing that All out right. there. It's like yeah. that's I hear a lot of that, and I'm like, come on, play both sides if you're going to play that. The feet. Now, one of the things is <laughs> okay. maybe maybe he does have a thing for feet, but one of the things they they were talking about is especially when they show uh, uh, Sharon Tate put her feet up at the in the right. movie theater and stuff, uh, how how dirty her feet were and stuff like that. One of the things was is apparently she had a. a known for not wearing shoes like she literally would only wear shoes when she absolutely had to so it was kind of okay. a play on that now also if you notice there's a couple other times where they show uh not just women's feet but they show uh brad F- pitt's foot where he's wearing his moccasins there's a lot of boot shots and stuff like that so there was a lot of feet just being shown in general not just the girl's feet um but it was kind of like a, a like I think it was kind of a showing of like, here's what some guy, you know, the boots for the the cowboys and the the professionalness and the the moccasins, you know, and the relaxed of of Clinton Booth, the 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 no shoes of the hippies and stuff like that. I think sure. it was kind of a more of a play on that rather than just a sexualization of a foot fetish that it, he may have. He also, you know, they drew attention to is it pussy pussy cat pussy cat pussy cat her feet when she puts them up on the dashboard. Whoa! And but <laughs> but and they do the same. Th- well, they. Yep, they do the same thing in the movie theater with her putting yeah. her feet up, and it's kind of the same shot. And you could look at those two characters kind of like you look at Rick Dalton versus Cliff Booth, where they're kind of opposites. They're, you know, he's the one that is pretending to be a masculine one, whereas Cliff Booth is the yeah, actual one. Exactly. Whereas, you know, Margot Robbie, she's the one that's, you know, she's given. There's there's a shot where she, a scene where she gives someone a ride and you know, oh. she hugs. She gives. Doesn't she give that girl? The same I don't girl. think it's the same girl, but I think it is. Uh, well, anyway, but she is one that is doing what she can to help out, yeah. putting herself out there. Whereas you know the the pussycat, yeah. they're they're taking. You know, it's this. It's she's giving rides. And, and, <laughs> the other and taking. I mean, they're, I'm 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 drawing a, a simple metaphor yeah, yeah. in that it's just rides, but it's just. Uh, you know, Sharon Tate is giving as much as she can. She wants yeah, to yeah. help out, whereas these uh, Charles Manson murders are taking away, and and it, it so it's another opposite, and those feet kind of kind uh, of tie okay. that together. So I'm pretty sure it's the same girl that uh, Margot Robbie gives a ride. I'm pretty okay. sure it's Pussycat. That's fine. I wonder if she offered her a blowjob. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, who knows? But anyways, I know. Now that brings me to another question. Like so. When when they bring Clint out to or Cliff out to the 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 ranch, yeah, what was what do you think her purpose was in that? Like, is she trying to recruit him? Do you think? Or what? Absolutely. Well, she keeps saying, "I think Charlie's going to like you." I think, uh, yeah. Okay. yeah. I was um, kind of, I was like, well, like, she's also. I, I wouldn't have looked at him and going, "Yeah, he's going to fucking fall for that bullshit." They they build it up to where 
you know, they spot each other a few times yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and every true. time there's obviously some sort some of tension. chemistry uh, <laughs> between the two of them. And I, I, as, as an older man, you know, it's that, it's kind of that, that, you, you know, we, we kind of flirt with those desires, oh, even right. though it's, it's just not, not a possibility, <laughs> but it's, we're dealing with a fantasy here. Right. And that's kind of what this is playing into that. Oh, fantasy. she had had ID that she was 18 and he would have been all about that. <laughs> Much respect to him well, for that. He knew. He knew she. Well, yeah, it, yeah, but that's what's even better about it. The act. The actress who played that character was actually twenty four. So. Yeah, so, but I mean, or, she didn't look under eighteen. <laughs> that, that was the other thing. I was kind of like, why would you? Now nah, she didn't look under eighteen. Yeah. Um, that that's another thing at the the ranch. Um, you know, they they go off to get Tex when when he Tex, whoops the Elvis. Sh- Did you know that was Austin I, Butler? I didn't know until I checked the names. I'm, <laughs> I, not, I, I'm not really good at. I didn't up notice those. it until about halfway through, and I kept back and I went, <laughs> "Oh my god, that's that Elvis look!" I said, "Oh, I think that's the guy." And I looked him up, and sure enough. But uh, so uh, he's beating the shit out of Clem for popping his tire, which much deserved. And they went and get Tex, and I was like, "Oh, that's gonna be funny." Tex is gonna rush in there and get his ass whooped. <laughs> it was like when they, the, you know, they make a big dramatic, and he's riding into town, and the car's already gone. I'm like, "Tex, you just got lucky, you motherfucker," um, which I thought was pretty interesting. Cool uh, side note: just uh, that Tarantino he, uh, with the Joe Rogan again. Um, he went into some very deep stuff about the the Manson family and some stuff like that. And I think it was probably from the interview you had talked about the guy that that did the the book on it, and was saying that they, he doesn't even think that that original that night that Sharon Tate got killed that that Manson actually ordered that he thinks it was it was a kind of a offshoot of Tex taking up kind of doing his own thing really kind of like what they talk about in the car. Oh, so he was pissed off about that whole sequence. Who, well, maybe, but, but he that was but he would know he didn't know that. No, but but okay. it's but she asked like someone said something and he goes, are you calling me a liar? And that, and that made sense. Once I heard that, I was like, why would that be in there? But then it's more like, cause he said, well, this is what he told us to do. Well, he, why didn't he only, t-? he's like, are you calling me a liar? And, and I was like, Oh, once I got that, there's so much depth into this movie that, uh, I think it was Bo was telling me or someone was telling me that they had watched it. And, uh, and he's like, but I think I need to watch it again to really get a deeper understanding. And I think you almost need to get some outside knowledge of it too. I saw it in the theater and it, it's in 35 and, millimeter. Uh, yeah. Well, it was shot in 35. Yeah. So it, apparently uh, it was only played in, in, in theaters with uh, actual, uh, uh, projectors. They didn't do it. Oh, you're digital. kidding. I, uh, that was one of the I'm things. I'm trying to think of where I saw it. I don't remember where I saw it, but I, I did see it in the theater. Um, that was a stipulation yeah. he wanted to have out there that it, it could only be shown by actual uh, old uh, projectors and stuff. Okay. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, oh, now I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, Sorry. That was my fault. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were talking about the sequence at the end. When uh, Tex in his yeah. call me a liar, I don't know, but anyways, right. we'll get back into yeah, it. Yeah, well, I'll, I'm I'll, sure you'll I'll, figure I'll, it out. I'll find my train of thought. Um, when it's all said and done, though, do you think realistically, do you think this is a good movie? Well, the, okay, so here, here's what I remembered <laughs> when I saw it in the theater okay. the original time. I came out of the theater and didn't know what to think because the narrative is not, it's not like your typical action movie that kind of continues to kind of draw you into a, a, a typical three act narrative. It's something that 
you don't quite know where it's going uh and and he has a lot of drawn out scenes the whole driving sequence and stuff like that so yeah. so it's it's not as it's not as accessible and i think when last week when we were talking about it that's kind of what i was warning you is it's not it's <laughs> not tip it's not necessarily accessible from a from a typical movie standpoint right right at the same and also i was really kind of bothered by the ending because i felt after after I saw the ending, which we really haven't talked about much, but he no. changes he changes the history. whole he changes history, and I thought, damn, he just kind of pulled his own gag that he did with Inglorious Bastards because he did that in Glorious Bastards yeah. with the whole uh, flamethrower or well the big explosion in the theater. He kills off all the Nazis and stuff, yeah. and it was revisionist history, and I it felt like he was it, it felt a little derivative, almost like he was doing his own gag. Uh, that he had already done before, and it, but since well, then, isn't Django is kind of a Django and Chain does the same thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I to me that didn't tie so much with really? history yeah. necessarily. Uh, whereas um, this change certainly in, in Glorious Bast- Bastards was a definite change yeah. to to World War II, <laughs> <laughs> kill off the Nazis, um, and, uh, and not killing Sharon Tate, and, and yeah. But I think. I've I think this is the better this is the movie where it where it makes it resonates so much more it really it resonates with with the story he's trying to tell with the with how he's trying to separate this fact from fiction and and do the storytelling genre or well he's giving it a fairy tale twist it's yeah. built into these other characters that seem completely separate but he's talking about Hollywood and something we've all experienced. I so much enjoyed this the second time I watched it. Okay. okay. And 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 that was just recently and I want to watch it again. I downloaded this book because <laughs> I'm like fascinated. Um but it's 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 so so yes, I think it's I think there's something so powerful in this movie and, I, and it's not your typical it's not your typical narrative that just draws you in for for the same old right. reasons, and and so I don't know what to actually point to and say this is why I liked it. But, <laughs> but I mean, I'm you watch you watch Margot Margot Robbie just kind of trounce around town, and you have this 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 feeling in your Joy. heart, like like oh my gosh, she was a real person, and and the the ending uh, is is so bittersweet. How it's like <laughs> my God, he changed history. What does that mean? And, and you know, what what, what would it See, have been like? And then you know exactly what happened. So you're left with these well, real emotions the, that. Yeah, that's yeah. where I also was like almost it, it almost doesn't have a real ending. It's like, OK, so we know this. It, it, it goes from like this could have been a real story. This could be. And then all of a sudden it changes at the end. You go, yeah, nope, this was all fucking bullshit. Because they, because he changed but, history. But we all know the real history, so it. I, I don't. I don't think. The, I don't think it. I don't think it. I don't think it was changing history. I think it was saying, "Well, let's change history in the movies." But we. But he knew that we all know what actually happens, and so it right. almost makes that the real history more. Uh, <laughs> invasive into into our thoughts and well, and and become something that we we are more drawn yeah. towards so I, I i like that to me i i really enjoyed it um as far as the story goes but at the end and and i don't have any problem with the violence i yeah. think the violence is fine I, I actually enjoyed that quite a bit um i thought some parts was a little over we'll talk about that in a second but um uh, 
to me, like you said, it, it, it changed history. And that's where I went from this, like, I believed in this, like, this could have been a real person booth. This could have been a real person, Rick. Yeah. Uh, we believe this may have been Sharon Tate was, we, we hope that's how she was cause she was so likable, but then they changed history and then it's like, Oh, but it's all just a fairy tale. That is the fairy tale ending. And so that's why it's, it, to me, it's, there, there's a lot of, there's not lead up for this, you, not going anywhere. At, at the same time, you know, he, he has the, uh, the acid cigarette and, you know, Rick Dalton <laughs> is, is, is uh, high on margaritas at this time. So some people have said that this is played out as the kind of the, the hallucinant, the hallucination of what these characters may have actually experienced uh, where reality really happened. But this oh, is because, they... because it's, you know, he, he starts, he starts, he goes on his, his walk, uh, his walk with the dog and, the, and um, that's when he comes back to, to what, what's happening. It's uh Rick well, they Dalton. Break, they break into the house when he's already back in there. Um, he already got back, right? And but then, but he had already Rick Dalton talked, yeah. goes out. He's he already drunk, he's already drunk on some uh, margaritas and stuff. Actually, he's drunk I, before I, that. I don't be- even think he was drunk. I think well, he no, because no, because they had they got a cab to get come back to the house because uh, they were too they were already drinking. Oh, right, right. So right, so right. no, they were drunk. He was just con- continuing to drink. You're, <laughs> you're right. He did. He hadn't had any of the of the, the margaritas yet because he was mixing it. And uh, just for audiences, Noah Noah brought a blender <laughs> camping. Uh, we do have some electricity here so we might actually uh, i think that was a that was uh, that was a potential backup, a potential backup <laughs> for some margaritas which is which is great because uh, that's yeah. what he did he came out with that but but i mean they they you could play it off like it's 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 a hallucin- hallucination in the movie yeah maybe i guess uh, yeah if you want to play it that i i thought it just was one of the, this is where it, like you know the butterfly effect you change one thing yeah. and everything changes. That's, well, sure. That's it was, what it was the was. moment he walks out well, when Rick Dalton walks out and they run into him because they didn't go to, they didn't go to their house at, at first. I mean, in, in real life, they actually went to Tate's house, but now they saw him yeah. and that kind of created this whole effect. They turn well, around. It's, it's the one person leaves. Yeah. She didn't actually leave. She was so the one that turned I heard, on. She I got heard the immunity. I heard that's actually part of a real story, but it wasn't from that night. It was from a, because there was more more killings than just the Tate killing. So that was like you said, the butterfly effect. If yeah. if he would have shown up there, it might have triggered her to have more second thoughts. He the yeah. text tosses her the keys. She drives away, yeah. like because she was the one that that uh, took immunity, yep. a plea deal in order to get you know shorter yeah. shorter sentence. From what I understand, that 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 woman that I can't remember the name, but she uh, that's legit. She did walk away from, but it wasn't from the Tate headhouse. It was right. from another night. No, right. She was there. She witnessed it from the car. Yeah. She got. She saw most everything happen. Yeah, um, but it's it's the they drove up in a noisy car, and and I fucking feel for Rick on this because they they drove up on a private street with a noisy ass car, and he's like, "Get off my fucking street!" <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel about watching uh, Cliff Booth just? You know, throwing the can at the woman, oh, sticking his it. dog on, I loved it. on Tex, I, having I, his balls ripped off. I, um, uh, I believed every bit of it because I could see myself in that. <laughs> right? I mean, it's 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 there, there's there's a certain fantasy play at play here where where we want to be Cliff, we want to be the ones that 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 well save in, the day. In, in, and in, in my it, sick mind, I could do that. Like that's, I think but in the, hes- there's, the, I would have no hesitation. At this that is point where, this is where Clinton, Tar- 
Quentin Tarantino has a way of throwing violence in our face that makes us root for it. You know, <laughs> and you know he well. knows it, it's it's almost like his comedy. He likes to put put comedy out there. He likes to make he likes to make us laugh at fucked up shit. I think is was his quote. <laughs> um, so, so, but if you didn't know that these were the Manson family murderers, right? Would you have felt the same way about the violence? Like if this no. was, if this was just that's what no, I mean, that's I, where it's weird. That's where it was like like you're rooting for this, but that's like why are you rooting for this? I was rooting for it not only because I know it was the Manson Pete, but they broke into his house and had a gun and a knife out him. And I'm like, if you're gonna attack somebody, all fucking bets are off. That's yeah. literally, I mean, my feelings in 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 defense is like, you you don't defend to a point where it's like, oh okay, I'm done. No, you. You take it to the nine, and that's what he did. I love the fact that the dog was, you know, he gave him the little, yeah, and he he knew right what to do. He went for the gun, <laughs> and then he went for the balls, sick balls, <laughs> um, right? And the the whole thing, and it, it just escalates, and and so this is, this oh, is, I know. And then he starts punching the dog, and you're like, no. Well, but, that's that's when he goes, oh no, it's not. Yeah, I like too that he he had the dog switch over and go after the other girl, sure, um, which. That was my only issue with the whole violent fight scene was the the girl that you you based your drink off yeah. of. Uh, she gets mauled, beat, hit, whatever, flamethrowed. When she jumps up and runs, she has her arms up in the air like she's doing one of those like uh, blow up dolls at the car. You know the the. It just looked really weird and over the top. I absolutely agree, and I think that was on purpose. I think they were defining the moment between because 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 Cliff Booth had his moment where he got to do everything. Yeah, he gets kind of taken out. the 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 girl runs out the window. Yeah, and it becomes the money shot. This is the money. Sh- this is I, Rick I, Dalton's I, moment, <laughs> and it becomes I, it, it becomes another dimension of yeah. fantastical. <laughs> I mean, what she could have gone underwater no, to no, put no. her flames I, out. I mean, wasn't, <clears throat> it wasn't even that. It, okay. was, it wasn't just that she jumped in the pool and was there and got caught on fire. It was her actual motions where her hands were straight up in the air, waving back and forth like she was doing some kind of weird dance. And it just, it hit me weird. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if that's how someone would I, react. I, th- I think this was Quentin Tarantino turning the scene up to 11 as much as possible I, yeah. because he knows that this is this is the Hollywood ending. This is the ending that it takes it to a degree that is unbelievable. Everything in this whole sequence is 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 to our <laughs> to our heart's desire. We get to see the people that we hate devoured and and oh. and and freak out and and their the, nuts ripped off and flamethrowed and stuff the, like the and third girl, he bashes her fucking face. Right, and so, right. Like, people were like, that I heard talk about it, were like, oh my God, that was over the top. And I was like, yeah, would have been, and, and, and the guy brought it up, because would it have been any different if it would have been Tex? Yeah. And and, uh, and it makes you think, it's like, would I, you have had a different effect? I, like, I think this whole scene is is cathartic wish, wish fulfillment from people <laughs> who, who had to deal with the aftermath of, of what oh, actually yeah, yeah, happened yeah, yeah. and and have been sitting with that for 50 years well, and and you know yeah. I don't, I mean, this is something this isn't this isn't solving that this isn't no. well, this is think about it too this the, isn't changing history but it gives people something to to yeah. just celebrate the Sharon Tate murder was was brutal i believe yeah. like she was stabbed 70 something times she wanted she asked she even said you know 
take me, but save my baby and before you kill me. You know, she, uh, I mean, it, I, I didn't know all that. The details are horrific, and I don't even know how all these details are known. It's probably be, because of the, one of this, you know, well, one of the characters that went still alive. Tex, I, Tex I, is still alive. Yeah. The uh, the other two women, I think, are dead. One one died. I think one died, and one's still alive. Uh, I think the one that. Well, okay, maybe. That is just what I heard was one one had died in prison okay. of the of the three from that night and then Tex and one other woman was still alive. Okay. I was like, oof. I guess uh the squeaky is someone who also has died already. Yeah, prison. but she wasn't involved in this. I know no. there were there were a series of murders. Yeah, that's yeah, there, it wasn't I, just Tate. I don't know if but uh, yeah, but I think you're right though. This is this is uh it's like a cathartic kind of thing for the people that have felt that and so it was kind of like a you know a, a payback essentially so, yeah and then that scene afterwards where rick dalton kind of gets he, he they had the gates of sharon tate's still house which i i mean they've talked about these being the gates to heaven or as oh. uh and and then that shot you know, you hear you hear Sharon Tate through the yeah. microphone, kind of all you the know, speaker. Yeah, the speaker, and then and then they have that shot that pulls up and over the house, almost like it's the entrance to heaven as he walks uh. in, <laughs> and she comes out, and she's still pregnant and she's yeah. still alive, and and what do you what do you say? To that? I mean, it 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 makes you feel like. You know, what, what could have been? We're watching. We're watching something beautiful, but we all know what really fucking happened. And, yeah. and that's a that's a weird feeling to watch <laughs> to experience when you're watching a movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where it's kind of it's kind of reverse. It's like you know. Yeah. No, no, I get it, and, and I agree with you. It's it, that's where it was, that's where the movie to me is kind of a strange one. It's not a normal Tarantino, and and. You know, I, I I base a lot of my my judgment on movies on rewatchability. Yeah. Um. In this one, I don't know. I've only watched it the one time, and so um, for me rewatching this because I know so much of the story, I'm I'm not sure. Like, there's nothing that draws me back in that I'm like, oh my god, I got to see that again. Where Kill Bill, there, I I yeah. I I just love. I mean, and it's it's ultra violence, and it, right. part of that is what I really enjoy. Like uh, some of those scenes, I just enjoy so much. That I could watch those over and over again, and I can even watch that in bits and pieces and get get what I want from it. Where this is like, I'm not sure. I think there's some brilliant is. sequences. I don't. I think it's a little uneven as far. <laughs> you know, Quentin Tarantino has said that he, you know, he doesn't try to do art house movies. He, you know, he, he does artistic movies, but he wants to deliver the goods. He still <laughs> wants to make scenes have meat in them. You yeah. know, and 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 that's important. You don't want to just throw away your movie and make it all kind of a metaphor of of something, a spaghetti right. western or something like that. <laughs> But, you know, and so so he's still in it to entertain. But and and I, I think the Spawn Ranch scene is definitely I do, I something you would watch one. a lot. Um, the uh, this the se- sequence with uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and the girl and, yeah. and, the, and yeah. the scene when he throws her down. Oh, you're right. <laughs> uh, which is great. And then uh, the, the finale, you could just watch that over and over again and and. Yeah, I mean, there's bits and pieces that I, I, I agree with you. Those are all good scenes. I think yeah. uh, the him shooting with uh, Tim, Timothy Elephant 
would be that's another one that I could watch again. I think that was enjoyable. But yeah, it's it's. In, I mean, I could even watch the Bruce Lee fight again. I'm, you're right. I'm also really drawn to his storytelling, and that's why I downloaded this. I, I this, agree. The book, uh, the book really cool. and I, I'm just kind of interested in his his take because I don't think it's just going to be the script. This is basically his. He he calls it's it his novel, first book. His it's first a novel. novel. It's a novelization of the film, and there's a, there's a name for that that they where they they novelize a film, um, and what it does is it gives you it gives you the bits and pieces that aren't necessarily filmable or even good to film like some of the backstory sure. he, he talked about um there's a scene and i think it's in the book where he actually goes to uh it's it's rick goes to a certain bar uh with with a guy and 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 it actually has uh quentin tarantino's uh real life stepfather is part of the scene and Quentin Tarantino is actually part of the scene as a as like an eight year old kid getting an autograph. Oh, really? And so he's like, "Yeah, this is a twenty minute scene in, that wouldn't work in the movie, but it's great for the book." Uh-huh. And so I think there's going to be a lot of stuff like that. You get a lot of backstory about stuff that we don't necessarily get, um, like the backstory of 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 Clint, where it tells that he is he was a soldier and you know he did all this stuff and why he is such a badass. More. Yeah. Okay, so we're back. We had a, a minor difficulty. We lost power for a second, and then we're back. <laughs> I don't even remember what we were talking about, but um, yeah, no, this is it's a, it's a good movie. There's a lot of stuff that's good about. It. Um, just curiously, uh, so this was his ninth film. He's supposed to do ten. Right. Um, what is it you're looking for? What do you want his final film to be? Like, what what is it? What would make you happier than happy for a Tarantino? Oh, gosh. <laughs> happier than happy. Well, he, he always kind of comes up with his own stuff. I wouldn't mind him actually doing a horror movie. That's, uh, that People have talked about that. That's a genre he really hasn't hit yet. Right. Um, and I think he's talked about he'd be interested in doing one, but he wouldn't be interested in writing one. So uh, very few. I think Jackie Brown is probably the only movie he actually adapted from a book, uh, whereas his other ones are all his original written works. Um, So um, I don't know. I'm glad that he's not rushed, that he's taken his time, because I think uh, I I don't like this idea of saying 10 and out. You know, it's like you make he's he's got one more in him, but I think he's probably got more than that, too. So. Um, yeah, I think what it, what he wants to do is he wants to do another one and then like start to live life on the outside and see what it's like and then potentially come back. But he's also talking about maybe not doing doing movies, but like getting into writing more books and stuff like that. So um, yeah, the the horror movie would be interesting. Um, I, I do like that idea. I because of my love for for Kill Bill, I would love to see something in that genre area again, where you know. Uh, you know, just over the top, freaking crazy fight scenes. You know, bad guy versus bad guy type thing, and and just to see, how, you know, could could he make another Kill Bill style? Yeah. Just and that's because I like that one so much. Um, I think he does really good with the comedy. I don't know if I want another history uh, revision movie for sure. I think well, I, right, I, like like I said when I saw this one, it, it actually kind of turned me off at the end at <laughs> first, just because I felt like, wait, he's already done this. <laughs> but uh, I think this is a, a better movie for it. So anyway, yeah, I, yeah, I could see that. I, I mean, it, it's a very interesting movie, uh, very different than all of his others, essentially. Um, yeah, so it, you know, it, it's what what has it been out for three years now, four years almost. Came out in two thousand nineteen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
I didn't go see this right away because the trailers didn't do anything for me. And for some reason, I didn't realize this was a, a Tarantino until later. Oh. And also, I, I kind of was like, uh, the hype was there, but it was also one of those is like, sometimes I get, I, I don't want to jump in with the crowd. <laughs> so this one kind of pushed me away. Sure. And so I, I get why it happened that way. And, and it is a good movie. I'm glad I watched it. Um, it's our first uh, out of the nine films that he's made. It's our first one that we've podcasted. I know, on crazy. So it, with as many as he has that are so good, and 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 ones that we that we like and talk about, yeah, all the time. It is kind of interesting, but yeah, maybe maybe we'll have to. You know, we've always talked about like picking a month and and hitting those, and maybe that's a, a Tarantino month, maybe or you know, Jeez, yeah, that'd be a rich month, yeah. <laughs> right? Well, and and if you only could do three or four, which ones do you do? I mean, that's. You know, I, I think Kill Bill would have to be one of them. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I think Glorious Bastards, we both can agree that that's, yeah. that's worth, <laughs> worth discussing. And then um, it, I, I, my favorite's Jackie Brown, but, uh, really? and, and if you haven't seen it, I don't that, think I've seen it, and, but that's an adaptation. So it's, okay. it's, it's more uh, of a, nov- it's a narrative. It's, it's kind of oh, gotcha. got a, it's got, you know, I don't know if you know, um, what is, what's the author, uh, Elroy, Elroy, I can't remember his name. We'll get a text from Bo. <laughs> I like that how he texted us a couple of days yeah. later after our last podcast. When, when, he, the, when he listens to it, he goes, "Hey, by the way, <laughs> I'm not afraid." In fact, he even texts us the title of this one because I had forgot I had done a brain fart on the title oh, of this yeah. movie. We hadn't even decided we were going to podcast, on it, so, <laughs> so that kind of helped us out with our yeah. decision. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think you know. It, Glorious Bastards for sure. Uh, Kill Bill would be top bill for me. Uh, Pulp uh, Fiction would be another. Pulp one. Fiction was the one that put him on the map, yeah. even, even more so than Reservoir Dogs. That was the one that just made him a right household was, name yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Uh, that would be one that I think would be really good too. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I know a lot of people like Django and Chain. Um, I enjoyed it, but I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's one of those movies I'd ever go back and watch again, either. So yeah, it's a fun one. I like uh, I like certain parts of it as as a whole. It's it's doesn't uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. I think is great in that. <laughs> I like him in that. I you know this is one of those this movie really solidified me at, at what a good actor he was. Yeah. Um. You know he's been great in a lot of other stuff, but something about this one specifically, yeah. I was like, oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Same with Brad yeah. Pitt. He's so good. Titanic in this. is what did it for me. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> okay. That's a movie he had to run away from for a long time. Oh, just such, <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyways, all right, well, I think that's it for this one. Um, you know, it's a Once Upon a Time in, in the in the camper park uh, with us uh, here at How He Sees It uh, covering this. Um, we enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, uh, enjoyed the show. Uh you can always email us and let us know what you think at the HW side. Oh, I messed it up again. <laughs> I forgot the dot. <laughs> yeah. The HW, the dot HWSI dot podcast at gmail.com or catch us on our socials, uh, under HWSI or how we seize it. Three E's and a Z. Uh, come check us out. Uh, let your friends know about the podcast. Uh, anything else, Steve? Well, I'll, I'm going to, I post ads sometimes on YouTube <laughs> or on Facebook that's and 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 Noah was talking about maybe posting the podcast on on YouTube as well. So if that's the case, you can check us out at youtube.com slash at HWSI. So that's nice. already a reserve where I'm, <laughs> where I'm putting the ads. So 
Yeah, the ad, the the drink ads are so good, um, so awesome. All right, well, I think that's it. So, hail Caesars! Hail Caesars! <laughs>